For over 37 years, TargetLeads.com has harnessed the power of direct mail and targeted lists to help you achieve your marketing goals. Whether you are a coach, an athletic director, an administrator, or you represent a nonprofit or a for-profit entity, direct mail with highly targeted lists continue to outperform social and email campaigns. If you are looking to reach prospective students or athletes, they have the lists. If you're looking to grow your business, they will find you your next customer. While we spend so much time online, the offline physical touch and feel of mail stands out, gets noticed, and generates response. Don't sleep on the power of mail. If you are recruiting, fundraising, or growing your customer base, mail should be a part of your marketing strategy, and TargetLeads.com is there to help you achieve your goals. Visit TargetLeads.com and please let them know that Coach Climo sent you. TargetLeads.com. Mail works. Our next partner has a product I use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a simple all-in-one solution as opposed to the ever-changing variety of supplements I have been taking for as long as I can remember. Sometimes up to three ramekins a day full of pills and powders trying to find the right formula for peak performance. Now that I've been taking Athletic Greens for a few months, I love it and I will never go back. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I take one scoop in the morning on an empty stomach and an additional one in the evening when I am feeling run down. I've seen such a difference in my own performance that I recently ordered additional AG1 for the rest of my family to use. It costs you less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, and supports better sleep quality and recovery, in addition to mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com contacts. Again, this is athleticgreens.com contacts to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome to the Contacts Coaching Podcast, dedicated to bringing you practical ideas from coaches, sharing what they have learned throughout their career. The show is designed to serve as a digital database of mentorship from a wide network of coaches whose innovative, reflective, and diverse knowledge may offer ideas to enhance your experience. In addition to sport-specific expertise, each episode also dives into the ways in which culture, strategy, and tactics can cross from one discipline to another. I'm your host, Justin Klein.
Welcome back to the Contacts Coaching Podcast. We are joined today by Tyler Whitcomb calling in from Michigan. I don't remember what town, but I'm sure he will update us on that, who is a former athletic director and coach and currently the director of customer advocacy and engagement at Snap Mobile, which is one of the main fundraising platforms that we can use as high school coaches and athletic directors and heck any coaches and athletic directors for that matter. Coach, thanks for being here today. Thanks a lot, Justin, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Love your podcast. Love what you do. So glad I can come on and and share some of my thoughts and ideas about fundraising and why I believe Snap Mobile is one of the best online fundraisers that they can be a part of. We put together great campaigns for coaches and athletic directors. Fabulous. Well, why don't we start with your coaching background? Take us through your background there, how you got into it, how you got your first job, how you became athletic director, and what pulled you away from that into your new endeavor? Sure. I started off as at Kalamazoo Valley Community College working for a Hall of Fame basketball coach. I was his assistant coach for a couple of years. Got into the basketball scene where I've coached at about five different high schools throughout my career, my 16-year career. I've coached girls and boys, had a lot of success with uh, Triunity Christians girls, and then I went on to make videos for championship productions. I do a lot of coaching instruction where I, I put together new innovative offenses like the elevation offense, the UCLP offense, and a couple others. And through that time, I just really enjoyed coaching the game and love the game of basketball, huge basketball junkie. And I've coached other sports like youth football, middle school lacrosse, coached a little bit of little league baseball along the way. And throughout all that time, I've always done a lot of fundraising. I've done everything from selling cookie dough to selling the discount cards, the big B cards, everything you can think of. And it just was a lot of time, a lot of time. And sometimes it, was the, it wasn't efficient. And then fast forward about seven years ago, I was brought on to be an athletic director at the school called West Michigan Aviation Academy in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They weren't known for their sports. They kind of struggled athletically and they were in the- But state. were they known for their aviation? They were. These kids could. Amazing school. Some of the smartest kids I've ever been around. My last year there, the fall season, all the teams combined GPA was a 4.03. So off the charts, they defined student athletes. And so through that time, when aviation brought me on, they just said, we want to be relevant. We're tired of being last place in every single sport. And I went on and learned from other athletic directors, studied up, read about as much as I could being a good athletic director. It's my first job. I've had a little bit of experience as an assistant AD and Came in there, tried to make some changes, and things were happening right away. I was blessed with having a really good staff, good coaches, and I thought the one thing that I could really change is being able to create that brand awareness. So we did it by updating our website, social media. We were a big presence on social media. Uh, We had the best graphics, and then I knew we needed to fundraise, and that's what led me on to Snap Raise. Um, At the time, um, we had a rep come in, and he worked with our robotics team and they raised five thousand dollars really quick and i was blown away at the the time and how efficient it was and so i tried for basketball because i was athletic director and basketball coach there and again blown away five thousand dollars really quick now i experimented with different different teams that year the next year i really strongly encouraged everyone to use snap raise some didn't and during that spring was a testament to snap was they the baseball team raised $8,000. And then the next year they wanted to go away from it, try something different. They went to selling cards 
they raised a little under $1,000. So the next year, I made it school-wide for all athletic programs to use SNAP. We do one fundraiser. We do it well. And make a long story short, we were able to do a really good job of fundraising for the next couple of years. We are able to, being honest with you, we had that Oregon effect where we had brand new Jordan uniforms and we looked the part. And the coaches looked the part. Again, social media, we we're getting a lot of attention. We had a good website. Next thing, we're getting better and better student athletes. And the last year there, we won seven out of 10 conference championships with a team with an overall team GPA of a 3.86. Aviation was very successful. And again, it wasn't just me as an athletic director, it was the team approach. We had great coaches, we had great staff, great admin. And, but a big part of it was SNAP. I ended up going to a school, actually two more schools along the way. I used SNAP right away and at both those schools, it just created that advantage as an athletic director. I could, I had uh, funds right away. My last school, Martin, that I was at, Martin High School, we raised 20,000 in the fall and it was a small school. Going to AD conferences, now with my new title, I go to AD conferences, work with ADs. And one of the ADs in Chicago raised over 700,000 in one year. So I'm just a firm believer. And when the opportunity came to work for SNAP, you know, where I engage in the customers and I work with athletic directors, I've got a podcast coming out, a webinar series, we have newsletters coming out and we just really want to be in that space where we can work with athletic directors, not just selling our products or pushing our products, but really helping athletic directors succeed. That 700 grand. That's huge. Wow. And obviously, the, as you called it the Oregon effect, where uh, you looked apart, people pay attention, which we know to be true being West Coasters out here. But let's dive back into the coaching aspect for a little bit here before we circle back to how SNAP can help people directly. But you mentioned you got hired as an AD after being an assistant AD. And I'm always curious as much prep work as we all do and as much experience as we all have, what is it that you realized right away that you still needed to figure out when you slid over into that AD role besides needing to fundraise? What other things caught you by surprise that you can shed a little light on for other people potentially sliding into that chair? Well, I think a lot of times as an assistant AD, you do a lot of the work that the ADs don't want to do as far as updating the schedules, communicating with the parents through email, just doing all the little things. And when I became an AD, I just realized right away that you are the guy. You're the one making the decisions. You're the one setting up the coaching meetings, uh, setting a precedence of, of how you want your athletic program ran. Just a huge difference. You have meetings all the time. Uh, at the meetings, being able to learn, take it back to your athletic program. And then just being that guy that communicates with the parents uh, if they have a, a problem. Hopefully you did a good job communicating with the parents beforehand. There are the occasions that happen and parents want to sit down with you if they're not getting the answer from the coach and you sit down with the parent and the coach. And as an assistant AD, I never had that experience. It might be different at different schools. And I just think when you become the age, you almost learn on the job because there's a lot that you miss out on as an athletic director, or if you're going to school and you get your degree in sports management or whatever the field may be in, and you just don't have that experience yet. And it's firsthand. Once you get in that seat, you learn quite a bit in that first year. If there is one or maybe a handful of smaller ones, but one failure that you had sitting in that seat that informed your future decision-making, could you think, tell a story about that? Yeah. So my first year, I was all about getting the best coaches. I felt like if we had the best coaches, we were going to have the best teams. Everything was in a QA all the way down. And the thing is, at that time, we were just, I was younger. And I thought if he wasn't a good coach, I'm evaluating, I'm sitting him down. 
they don't meet the standards. We let them go. We bring in someone better. And what I realized is they're human beings. They're going to make mistakes. Let's work with them. And over time, I learned how to develop them. And I think that was, that was huge because you want to get the right people uh, on staff, but then you also want to work with them and develop them and building that relationship. And in return, although coaches are happy and they do the same, then they build relationships with the parents and the student athletes, and they really work with them. And I feel like that was the biggest difference is at first coming in and, and trying to be that guy of they either do it right or wrong and whether or not they come back is based on their performance instead of the little things that make them good coaches and being able to develop them along the way. When you say that you took an interest and focused on developing coaches, what does that look like? How would you offer up not a in-depth program, but maybe some broad strokes on these are the things you really want to focus on as you're developing coaches that are mission appropriate for your school site? Well, during the evaluation process, we like to get out to two practices a year, sometimes more, depending on where you're at with that coach, get out to some games, take some valuable notes. And then when you're sitting down with them, you'll have a game plan of where they need to work, um, some improvement areas. And then what I do as an AD is I'm always, I'm one of those research type guys where I'm always looking at ways to develop them in them areas. I'll send them emails of stories, send them interest. If it's X and O's, I might send them a video, might send them a couple resources that can really help them improve. There's clinics, there's conferences that they can go to. And I'm just constantly sitting down with them and working with them and just trying to have them take that ownership of what it takes to lead a whole program and what they can do to keep improving along the way while having fun. Coaches also got to enjoy the position as well. You also mentioned that you weren't just a basketball coach, but that you coached lacrosse, you coached football, coached some baseball. What would you say is the best thing you were able to steal from one discipline and use in a different discipline throughout your time there, either intentionally yourself or you watched I don't know, your women's soccer team play and realize that you could appropriate something from them or a similar team that wasn't your primary sport at the time? Sure. I think if you can coach one sport, you can coach a lot. There's a lot of, besides the X's and O's, a lot of mission statement, being able to work with your team, setting that precedence of what's appropriate, what's not, being able to take that same discipline and being able to use it in all sports. One of the things I loved is the communication from this assistant coach that I had about three years ago and he came in and at the end of the season, he does player and parent evaluation. So what he does is he grabs every player, evaluates them where they're going to be in the next couple of years, some programs that they can do to improve. And then we sit the parent down and them down and just let them know we're upfront and honest with them right now. This is, he's the eighth man. He can do this. He can move up, but we're really upfront with them and honest with them. And I feel that has really gone a long way for me. And I was able to use that in another sport that I coach along the way. And it just helps tremendously. You get everyone on the same page. It avoids some of those problems down there. We've all had those parents that come in and well, how come my kid's not playing? And I've always sat him down and said, you know, this is why I have these five ahead of him. Do you think that he can contribute more than them? No. Where do you see him? Eighth, ninth man. And a lot of times they're on page. And then how many minutes do you play in eighth and ninth man? If you're a winning team and you break it down to them, and some parents just don't understand. Some of them never played sports growing up. And I think if you can have that open communication and being able to be upfront and honest with parents and student athletes right away, I think it avoids a lot of problems in the long run. 
Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I had this conversation, I think two days ago, tongue in cheek, where without fail, you always have somebody that's coach, I want to play more. It's like, cool, I want you to play more. It's like, who do you want me to take out? Well, nobody, but I should be playing more. It's like, well, okay, that's not really how it works. There's a zero sum game here when it comes to minutes. But I also think it's important. And this is something that we've always done that I can offer up in regards to what you just said, where we sit down and have our athletes fill out a whole team evaluation and rank where they stand relative to everyone else. First five, second five, we composite it. We put it up on the wall. It's yo, Hey, you got one vote to be in the top 10. These guys got 15. Or the other thing that we would do is all of the athletes and say, Hey, write down how many minutes everybody deserves to play. There's 32 minutes in a game. And inevitably, once you've done that, you're way over the 160 minutes total when you multiply it by five. And they've got to figure out and whittle it down. What do you mean I can't play everybody this much? It's like there's only 160 minutes total. And they have to start thinking and taking minutes away from people, which really helps before the season even starts, put in perspective about how limited their opportunities there really are. And I think that's been helpful. And I wanted to just piggyback on what you said in regards to ways in which you can tactfully employ the concept that you mentioned. Yeah, I love that. That's good stuff. I might steal that from you if I get back into coaching. So, Let me ask this. How would you say over the course of your coaching career, your approach shifted? Quite often, to be honest with you, because the game changes all the time and kids change. And just think over the 16 year period, every three or four years, I would gradually improve in some area. I would uh, look for an area where I'm not doing well and, and keep trying to improve and try to, again, try to research and try to get as much information as I can so I can improve in that area. But as far as changing over time, I, even my approach four years ago, five years ago, I was one of those guys where I'm a really laid back guy, but on the basketball court, I was one of those guys that was just constantly on officials and really on officials. And I had to sit down one time and just really evaluate myself and say, why do I coach so angry? I want this to be fun. I want it to be a learning experience for kids. And I want it, and I'm the role model and I got to be able to teach them sportsmanship. So it was important to me is really setting goals for myself of when to communicate with officials and getting better at it. So over the last four years, I did a really good job and just give myself some credit as not, um, not, being so harsh to the officials and working with them and, and knowing when to talk to them. And, and I felt like that's really just helped my approach. And even the approach at practice, everything four or five years ago was so intense. And I started learning that only so many kids I was relating to, like my top six, seven kids were enjoying being around me because they had the same personality, but the other kids, was I losing them? Especially they're there for, we're there to teach them life lessons and try to work with them. And what I want is I want them to look 10 years down the road and look at a team picture and say, I love playing for that guy instead of, oh my gosh, this coach was a maniac. And I think that's important for a lot of people is I want, you want to create the best experience so they they want to come back and they want to, they feel like that program's theirs and they'll contribute. And just even my approach the last couple of years coaching, I don't know if it's just with my age, I got more mature, but it was just, uh, I was a little bit easier going and we guess what we still got the same results it shows that you can actually calm down a little bit and enjoy your time with those kids and take each game as a life lesson. Yeah, it often brings us back or it does bring us back to the question of what does it feel like to be coached by you? When we're young, it's not really something we're that concerned about. But as we get older and you start thinking about what you just mentioned is having people look back, it factors into how we want to approach things. And the other thing you mentioned 
well, it's about the officials. And again, as people evolve, it makes me wonder in your time as an AD, as your time as a coach, 16 years, your time working with a bunch of schools right now through SNAP, have you ever seen an official change a call based on the coach berating them or yelling and screaming at them? Never once. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I just wanted to check because I haven't either. And yet it still amazes me the way in which some of us interact with them and we will make comments. And this just came to me. I've never actually never thought about this till you said it, but we'll make comments about how we have parents and fans and people that are spectating that are off their rocker. Some of the things they're yelling and screaming from the stands yet often we're not looking within as to some of the things that we are saying to the people that are there to help facilitate the game for our athletes so that they can even play. What is the best thing you have seen coaches do to create an atmosphere that's actually functional rather than combative? I think a lot of it is just having that open approach in the beginning of the year and talking to the team about how you're going to do things. To me, it was always, we're going to play so hard, we're going to knock your opponent down, but guess what? We're going to help them up because we're good people. It's just competition, and we're going to treat the officials like how we'd want to be treated. It's tough. And that was something that I was always good at, is really communicating with the players that we will not talk to officials. And I, I never really had problems with that. It was just mainly over the years. And I just felt there was one time where I degraded a referee. It was an awful call. It was towards the end of the game, and I felt like we lost a game to one of our rivals that we should have won and gave the game away. And there's a lot of bad calls towards the end, but even watching the video later on. But you know what? It happens. It's part of the game. And I saw the guy at the store, and at first we looked at each other. We both realized that we know each other, and then I ended up seeing him in line later, and we ended up talking, and he's the friendliest guy I've ever met. We just sat down, and then from there, that day on, I was like, you know what? These guys are human beings. They're trying their best. It's all about building that connection and that relationship with officials as well, and it's important, especially as an athletic director later on. You have certain officials that don't want to go to your school because of certain coaches, and that was always the communication in our coaches' meetings is you want to be able to build those relationships with opposing coaches in the league because it's all helping each other, helping these student athletes along the way and working with these officials so they want to come to our school and they want that good atmosphere. So then they're going around in the community talking about how well we do things. Yeah, it's funny. One of the things that I believe coaches and parents think happens during their comments or their conversations or their shouting or insert whatever words you would like to there is they think somehow they are shifting the game in a particular direction that is positive for them, but often it's the opposite. And something I learned at PGC basketball years ago was treat refs like they're honored guests, right? So they show up, it's, hey, here's water. Do you need anything? Here's a place for you to change. I have my players go up and introduce themselves. They know the referees by name. They have conversations with them before the game. And it's not necessarily going to have a positive outcome, but it's definitely not going to have a negative outcome because I sit there and think about it. And I've said this all the time, man, I can't wait till I retire and I get a chance to ref just so that I can have some conversations with people that they're not necessarily going to like. (laughs) It's like, go ahead. You want to keep doing that? This will not turn out well for you, but that's not really what the job is, right? The job is to officiate. It is to referee and allow the athletes to play. 
But as you mentioned, you run into this guy at the store and he's the nicest guy in the world. Most of these people are, they don't make any money. They're doing something because they're trying to help out and we should treat them like guests that they are. I there We played this girls team about four years ago. They're in our league in I thought it was cool. So after the game, they all had letters for the ref and gave it to them. I've never seen that. And I was like, that's cool. The referees enjoyed it. You could tell it made their day. But you're right. You absolutely you treat them like guests and they're going to want to keep coming back and they're going to speak highly of your school and your district and the community. And that's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Besides fundraising, what would you say is the best thing that you do in your program that creates the ripple effect on culture that you want it to. And this doesn't have to necessarily be basketball. It can be from an administrative standpoint, but something that's tangible that somebody could take away and be like, Oh, wow, that's actually a really cool deal. I'm going to start doing that. Well, snap mobile is right now. It's, we are really doing a good job of press pause. I want to go back to your coaching and I don't want to talk about fundraising yet. What is the best thing that you do as a coach or an administrator in your program that has a transformational effect on your program culture? Okay. The best thing that I feel like we being me and my coaching staff is being able to build a culture that kids are proud of as an athletic director and as a coach is being able to work in the community, help with different programs. But I've always felt like we've given back We've done a good job of being respectful to opposing teams, to officials, and it's just that culture is everything to me because that culture will stay with your program for years. And I talked about when I left my last job, it was due to the fact that I got remarried and I moved out about 45 minutes away. And the assistant coach that took over, he just kept rolling and he even told me, he said, you know what, you left it better than when you took over and I'm going to do the same. And if we can keep doing that and keep having that same culture and keep building, I think that's everything. And those kids will keep coming back and your program will keep being successful as a, either as a coach for your program or as an athletic director for your, all the programs. Love that. Leave it better than you found it. I think if we go through the world with that mindset, you're doing everything you can to improve the situation of others that are around you. And it's always a good reminder to do that. All right, let's go one more question relative to coaching, and then we'll pivot into ways that SNAP can help programs enhance the experience of their athletes. What would you say, and it doesn't have to be in coaching, it can be in day-to-day life, it can be parenting, whatever. But what would you say is the most recent thing you've changed your mind on? And what I mean by that is, look, I used to believe this. And now I'm over here and here's why. I think a lot of it is just not committing to one thing. And by saying that is, let's even look at politics. Like so many of us are right or left. And I'm just more learning to listen to both sides and being in the middle and just, there's a reason there's good and bad in both sides. And I think over the years as it's helped me is looking, thinking out of the box, but also being able to really listen to both sides and not even really forming an answer. Like right now, the biggest thing is NIL and what's going to translate down to or transition to high school from college. And all these people have opinions on it. And so I really don't have an opinion. I just want to see where it's at and see where we can help ADs grow in that aspect or grow in that field of NIL and understand it and see how it can work for you. Or it might even be something that fails and just having an open mind to everything. And I think 
that's something that I've really changed over the last, I don't know, five, 10 years. And it took a coach to really teach me that. I used to be dive into one, one thing and just believe that. And then as I started getting, again, probably more mature, but just understanding that there's so many ways and so many people push an issue and it's ultimately, it's not even about that. It's about us all working together. And I think that's huge in life and basketball and as running an athletic program, it's just being able to communicate with each other, know that there's, we have differences, but also some of our differences aren't all that different and just being able to have an open mind to it. Well, given the current political climate, I love the fact that uh, you land in the middle of let's listen to everybody and see what makes sense rather than, nope, I have to believe this because this is what I affiliate with. And I think that uh, that's a great approach to take, not just there, but everywhere else. What can I learn from the soccer coach that applies to basketball? How can I open my mind and continue to have a growth mindset? And that's really what that question is about. And it's ironic the way in which you answered it. Thank you for that. And what I would like to do is talk about how SNAP can help people raise money to enhance their program. But before doing so, I'm going to ask a few more pointed questions in regards to painting a picture for people that are unfamiliar with it. So what's the elevator pitch? What's the 10,000 foot conceptual overview of how it works? And then what are some success stories you have? You already mentioned a few here and there, but really to drill down into why was that program able to raise 700 grand? Why was that program able to raise three in a week period, right? So just scaffold for the listeners who've never experienced what this is. Hey, who are you? What's the 10,000 foot conceptual view? And then look, here are some very specific success stories that are big picture. And here are two or three that I directly have my hands on that I can speak to from experience. Sure. SnapRaise, like I said earlier, we're the number one online fundraising company in the world. We do a really good job of being able to be a coach's assistant coach. We come in, we build relationships with coaches, athletic directors, and we'll come in, we'll set up a time where we talk to student athletes about getting 20 emails in and we put a video together of why we're fundraising that video. It's real professional, but an email gets sent out with that video to all the possible donors. And we just sit back and every couple of weeks we follow up with the emails and we do the best we can of maximizing the campaign. And along the way, what's really cool is you're not exchanging any money. So there's a lot of fundraisers, you're taking cash, students are walking around with cash or checks, eliminates that. It's safe and secure. So we have a third-party payment processing company that we work with. So the money's safe, secure. And the thing that really separates us again, it's just, we do a really good job of, we've been doing this for so many years. I think we've raised a half a billion dollars since 2014 for other programs. And so we're experts in that field and we keep getting better and better as we go. And I want to say a lot of it is just due to how we're continuously wanting to grow. We do have that growth mindset. I love how our reps get out in the field. They listen to the ADs and coaches and they find the problems and they come up with solutions to help them. Not just with fundraising, but we have a store. Some ADs, I've done it before where we'll do a store, we'll do a clothing order and then it all gets shipped to the school and you have to divide it. But we have a store where it's all the top name brands where Nike, Adidas, you know, what under Armour and it gets shipped right to the person's house. So we're, we came up with that. We've got sponsorship coming out, coming soon. We got insights to where ADs can look 
and they can see future campaigns, what it looks like so they can budget a little bit better. They have access to see what every program's done, emails that have been sent in. Now we have a manager to where we'll do scheduling, websites, communication with, let's say you canceled a game. You just hit one button and email and it'd go out to everyone that's involved, to your staff, your bus driver. I mean, everything. And we just have, we're just constantly launching new products to better, just, just basically being able to create resources just so athletic directors can really succeed. Coaches can really succeed and help the students. The bottom line is we're helping the students being able to do what they want, love to do. We're constantly, kids will, they don't have money to, let's say for helmets. I've seen situations where we came in, we helped them build a campaign, get the resources. Guess what? They have helmets. Now they can play. And there's just so many of those cases to where over the years, I'd hear different stories from reps. And whenever we go to these conferences or summits for the company, you'll sit and you'll talk to, and just some amazing stories. For instance, there is a team that they're really short on, they really, they're talking all this time about for the last three years, they really wanted the backpacks, the warm-up shirts and all that. And this girl's team always struggled at fundraising and they met a rep in the area. He helped them campaign. They raised the funds and guess what? That team had exactly what they wanted. Not that that's, you know, the story that you might be looking for, but it's just a short story of different ways that we can come in we can help and we deliver. That's one thing I can say it is that's why I joined SNAP. I was happy in my job. I love being an athletic director. And I just saw what they've done and, and they've helped so many schools and so many kids. And I just felt, you know, this is the perfect job for me. And that's why I jumped on board. Love it. Love it. Can you dive in here just for the listeners and tell us a little bit more, if you can, about how a team raised 700 grand in one year? Yeah. So it's a big school. It's a school in Chicago. And he was a guy that's very connected in the area. And what he did is... He was just, he got everyone to buy into SNAP because everyone saw it. First, there's hesitant people. Why are we doing, why are we just doing one fundraiser? And if kids played multiple sports, they're doing the same thing over and over. And basically he taught the parents of, and showed them. They realized that everything else is just a waste of time. I hate to say it, but it's not efficient. Using SNAP, it's you get the most money, maximize your campaign with the least amount of time. Why wouldn't you do it? And he even told the same story. He's, I let my coaches do other things and they didn't even raise a fourth of the money that they could have. And he even broke it down. I was talking real quick, but he, he was talking about the time that they did, they sold like cookie dough or whatnot. And he said, the, the people that are well off will buy it. And the people that aren't well off will buy it. But guess what? The people that are well off, if you would have asked for a donation, they would have donated 10 times the amount. So he said, you're almost selling your program short. And, but basically going back to the story is he was able to teach his parents and coaches that it's the best bang for the buck. It's a no brainer to use this. And they just got better and better at fundraising. And they also have a lot of programs and they were able to do, they were able to do some big things. Their football program, I think raised 33,000 in one campaign. And we've actually had other schools not raise as much as a school, but other programs raise even more than that, which is crazy numbers. Let's share your contact info. If anyone wants to get a hold of you before we sign off. All right. You can reach me at Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R dot Whitcomb, W-H-I-T-C-O-M-B at snapraise.com. 
All right. All right. Well, hopefully people see get a little inspired here and want to do something for their program and reach out. Tyler, I appreciate you being on today. Looking forward to putting this out there. And uh, since you love the pod, hopefully you get us some followers in the Michigan area. Sounds great. Thanks again, Justin. All right. Take care. This podcast was also brought to you by teachhoops.com. As coaches, our inboxes will get flooded with noise on how to make your program better. Teachhoops.com will get you focused on what needs to get done. One thing you've heard from these podcasts is no matter the experience, you got to keep pushing yourself to be better. Coach Steve Collins will help you direct that noise. He is there to help you. He has the credentials as a coach, and he's never turned down an Teach Hoops member. Sign up for a plan at teachhoops.com and mention us at checkout. This site is here simply to help you be better. Take advantage and see you on the court. Remember, go to teachhoops.com. Drink Element is a healthy alternative to sugary electrolyte drinks. Each grab-and-go stick pack replaces essential electrolytes with no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, or any other junk. Element is thrilled to be releasing a new limited-time flavor this November, Element Milk Chocolate. I drink Element every day to support my workouts and being on the court and in the classroom. As a member of our community, Element has a special offer for you. Claim your free Element sample pack. You only cover the cost of shipping. Get yours today at drinkelement, that's L-M-N-T, dot com slash contacts.